Well, I go out fishing a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do some kayaking together. Yeah. Um, I've seen unusual things. Nothing completely crazy. I mean, you know, usually, unfortunately, it's stuff that people have discarded in the wrong place. Yeah. Garbage and things like that. I feel like I've I've come across, looks like a makeshift campsite at a place where there wasn't supposed to be one before. Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've seen all kinds of creepy crawly uh, bugs and stuff that... uh, tried to make their way onto me while I was in a kayak. Mm-hmm. Uh, some snakes going by. Yeah, snakes. We saw those a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> but there's a, a person who's a, uh avid boater and is part of the Kalamazoo Paddle Club that <laughs> posted a video that is absolutely terrifying. It is terrifying. It looks like the start <laughs> of a scary movie. It really does. Um, And we do have the video available. We'll give you some of the information coming up. Uh, But his name is Cam Lindblade. Again, he's part of the Kalamazoo Paddle Club. He was recently out on the waters of the Kalamazoo River. And this took place just south of the village of Homer in Calhoun County back on Saturday, March 26th. Lacey? Yeah, as he's paddling along, he came upon something eerie in the water. (laughs) You have to see the video just to see what we're talking about, but it almost looks like a real person just standing in there. Once he gets a little closer, you can see that it is a mannequin, but it doesn't really make it any less creepy. No, because just the way this mannequin is positioned in the water. (laughs) Yeah. And it's a female mannequin, uh, Mm -hmm. just so you know. Um, has a white t-shirt on, it's bald, mm-hmm. and it kind of just has this blank stare. With like all kinds of debris stuck to it and attached. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the obvious question, how and why did this thing end up there? Right. The first thought would be that it was maybe a prank. Perhaps someone decided to scare someone in a kayak or a boat and make them think there was a person in the water. Although that would that's kind of not a good prank because... You would immediately think, oh, my gosh, I got to rescue or help them or something. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, the other not so happy thought is perhaps it was just discarded there. Um, unfortunately, anyone who goes out in waterways like we were talking about sees the sad side of humanity where people leave trash where it doesn't belong. But either way, this would be really creepy to come upon. Could you imagine if you were kayaking at night and saw this? I don't think it's too safe to be out camp- kayaking at night. Um, but, uh Yeah. <laughs> It's it is very scary. Um, he said that uh, he was kind enough to share the video, and he said uh, the video, while it was early in the stages of his hundred and eighty mile long paddle from uh, Goose Lake Road all the way to Lake Michigan. Um, yeah, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, so he got out his phone as he was approaching it, and it's only about a fifteen twenty second video, and he's just approaching it and kind of like pans over to it. And it's available on our website. Uh, it's definitely worth a look, but maybe um, I wouldn't do it before bed. <laughs> yeah, it's the stuff nightmares are created. But uh, there's, yeah, absolutely. Um, but Lindblade, uh, he, this is kind of a part of a really cool thing that he does. As we mentioned, a 180 mile long paddle. He does it every year and he's done it for the last six years during spring break. Uh, he says it's for personal challenge reason, reasons, but also to inspire others to get out and do similar activities. Uh, He says what he loves most about it is random people he meets along the way. And he says there's river angels that also help him out by giving him some water, food, or even a place to camp during those journeys, Lacey. Yeah. And he also gets quite a reaction from people because uh, the vessel he uses is a handmade cedar strip solo canoe. Uh, It's a wooden canoe. He actually built it with his own hands back in 2004. 
and has logged about 15,000 miles on it. And he says he enjoys about 1,000 miles of paddling every year. I bet that's kind of tough carrying around. Yeah. Yeah, The plastic ones are probably a little bit lighter. Yeah. Um, He probably has a truck or, you know, something big to haul it in. But yeah, once you get there, getting it down to the water. Uh, But anyway, if you want to see Cam's video, and again, I I would not recommend it by bedtime. Uh, You can find it at 953wbck.com. The article is called... This really creepy mannequin is just hanging out in the Kalamazoo River. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather and news. Is this one-of-a-kind magical place that you can only experience in Marshall, Michigan, Brandon? Have you ever heard of this? I have heard of it. I've never been there. Um, But uh, yeah, this was something uh, that you discovered late last week and uh, put something together about. And uh, this is really cool. It is really cool. The largest magic museum in the entire United States is located in Marshall, Michigan. Michigan. Did you know it was the largest? I did not. And, I uh, did not either. Of course, um, we know Colon, which is not too far away, is the uh, magical, uh, magic capital of, of the world, of the entire world. But Marshall has the largest museum in the United States. Yep. The American Museum of Magic was founded on April 1st, 1978 by Bob and Elaine Lund. It was born out of a passion or perhaps it was more of an obsession. Hmm. Bob spent decades eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches so that he could collect the treasures that are now housed at 107 East Michigan Avenue in Marshall. He spent decades eating PBJ to to save money so he could collect these things, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He did not set out to open a museum, uh, but was spurred into action... By threats from his wife, Elaine, who told him, hey, either stop collecting or they needed to move into a bigger place. And not willing to give up that collecting and getting more treasures, he saved up money, bought the building, the historic building that still houses the American Museum of Magic. That's right. Uh, Bob began collecting magician's artifacts in the mid-1930s and continued doing so up until the day he passed away in 1995. The items he collected included props and posters from the world's most talented and known musicians like Harry Blackstone, Joseph Dunninger, and Harry Houdini. Bob didn't just collect memorabilia from well-known magicians. He had thousands of items from unknown and small-town musicians. I was going to say musicians, magicians as well. <laughs> Maybe magi- uh, musicians. Uh, Maybe. Magic musicians. Magical musicians, <laughs> yeah. So Bob's wife kept the museum going after he passed, uh, but soon found it was hard to keep up with items housed within, becoming increasingly disorganized. Uh, but there was a big group of fans who were able to step in and raise some money to keep that collection open to the public. And in 2005, a board of directors stepped in to restore the American Museum of Magic all the way back to its former glory. That's right. The museum opens to the public every spring, and that's not to say that you cannot check in in the winter. You just have to contact staff and uh, make an appointment. The museum is also conveniently located just 40 minutes away from the magic capital of the world, as we mentioned, Colon, Michigan. Yep, and we've been through there. Uh, we, we went to a restaurant in Colon uh, last year sometime that actually had a bunch of really cool things on the wall. Like They had a huge display of all sorts of magic-related uh, items and photos of people memorabilia yeah, yeah from the community from over the years um do you know that there's over 30 magicians that are buried there in colon i did not know that yeah there's a lot of uh interesting ties there and uh, for a long time every halloween they would have a se- seance to try to contact harry houdini oh wow was it ever successful no oh 
No, it has not been successful to date. He has not returned the call at this time. (laughs) (laughs) So um, have you ever been to a really good magic show? You know, I did get to go to one in uh, Cola, Michigan. They have this big thing every year where they have a ton of musicians uh, come in and perform and you can buy tickets. Okay. And then as the evening goes on, the magicians are more well-practiced and seasoned. Um, But it was a very fun experience. I did get to see a comedian magician that actually came to our church when I was in high school. And um, he did a lot of magic tricks, but combined it with a lot of jokes and funny stuff. Um, Of course, when we were in Las Vegas... I was going to bring that up, yeah. Yeah, I got to be part of a magic show. And I rarely am somebody they select from the crowd to to do anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But And this time I was picked. Yeah. I, I didn't come out on stage, but he had an empty box and showed everybody that it was empty um, and handed it to me and said, is it empty? Yeah, it does. You know, I couldn't feel anything. And all of a sudden he snapped his fingers and the thing started moving and there were ducks inside it or something, some kind of bird. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, how did he do that? I didn't remember it being ducks. I thought it was a dove. It might've been a dove. I, it didn't fly away. It's so. been a long time though. <laughs> that was quite a while ago. <laughs> of course in Vegas, there's lots of cool things like that you can see, but, uh, we have a cool thing, right? Here in our backyard over in Marshall for uh, this museum. You can read more about this. Uh, Lacey put together an article. It's called Largest Magic Museum in the United States is in Marshall, Michigan. So uh, something to check out if you hadn't had a chance. And your weather today, it's going to be breezy with steady rain showers. Winds from the south up to 15 miles per hour. Our high today is going to be near 50 degrees. Tonight, partly to mostly cloudy, a low in the upper 30s. On Tuesday, cloudy, a chance for rain, especially in the evening, and a high in the upper 50s. Right now, light rain, and it's uh, 38 degrees, feels like 32. And we are about a half hour away from our first cash code of the week and uh, for the whole contest. So be listening. Uh, we'll give you that information coming up in about 30 minutes. How you doing this morning, Lacey? I'm doing pretty dang good. How you doing? Pretty dang good, huh? <laughs> yeah, for a Monday. Yeah. yeah. We got through... Uh, April Fool's Day on Friday, well, sort of unscathed. Sort of unscathed. We had a few pranksters. Uh, (laughs) Mayor Mark Benke, of course, uh, got me just a little teeny bit (laughs) on Friday. Uh, He normally comes in to record his uh, city report message um, that airs during the weekend. And he's like, I'll see you at about 6 o'clock tonight. And, of course, (laughs) if you know me, I get up rather early. I'm definitely not here at 6 o'clock at night if I can help it. No, 6 down is like wind down to go to bedtime for us. Well, I say. He sort of got me because um, right underneath there, he's like, I'll see you in about an hour. Yep. Um, let's see. What else happened on Friday? There was a prank here at work. Yeah. Because, um, you know, we've been in transition with the different things and studios and equipment. And they, they played a prank on all of us that there was going to be an unexpected uh, <laughs> situation related to all of this that was going to end. Force us to work in huts outside. <laughs> yeah, with porta potties. With porta potties. And that one didn't get me because I'm the whole time I'm like, it's April Fool's Day. I know we're going to get, you know, all <laughs> kinds of pranks and stuff. So I was like 50-50 because there's been so many, so many changes where I'm like, this could be true. <laughs> and um, so this one that we're going to tell you about, though, was a really fun one that the Kalamazoo Air Zoo pulled off. And um, actually, I fell for this one when I saw it online a little bit in the morning mm-hmm. at first when I saw it and then. As I read the article, I was like, oh, okay, I think they're up to something here. It, nothing got me nearly as good as the the fake article that uh, Steve Eiserman was quitting <laughs> uh, the Red Wings. Yep, and we'll touch. We're going to touch on both of these actually, but we'll start uh, with this. So, um, 
they posted that an employee had accidentally set off an ejection seat uh, during a tour at the Kalamazoo Air Zoo Friday morning. They even had a photo that they put up. Yeah, and it was kind of like, uh, whoops, uh, one of our docents to remain unnamed accidentally discharged the ejection seat while giving a tour of the FA-18 Hornet. Luckily, everyone was okay. And then you see this picture of the ceiling and there's uh, some light <laughs> shining through with cloudy skies. Yeah, it just looks like the ejection seat just pierced through the top of the building. <laughs> now, did they imply that somebody was sitting in the in the seat when it happened? I don't know. I'll have to keep reading. <laughs> um, so so one of our coworkers reached out to the Kalamazoo Air Zoo to see if uh, they could share photos of the seat and the fighter jet involved. And apparently they cannot provide a photo of the seat because they can't find it, according to their response. <laughs> they said, we're still looking for the seat. We've sent the guilty Dawson out to find it. Uh, they were giving an early tour today, April 1, and accidentally hit an emergency panel on the outside of the aircraft that sent the thing shooting out the ceiling. And, of course, it was on Friday that they sent this message out. So that's <laughs> April Fool's Day. Um, and there were a few red flags. Yes. Uh, the first one, not being able to locate the seat, seemed kind of strange. Um, I don't know how far ejection seats can travel, but I would assume they would be able to find it fairly quickly. They're not going, like, miles into the air and landing, like, you know, somewhere out of state or something. <laughs> so number two, red flag, the Air Zoo went out of their way to point out that it was April 1st in the message. Ah, and then they went in to say that the person that mistakenly triggered the ejection seat felt like a real fool. <laughs> so. One more red flag. Uh, the tw- the message was sent out uh, via tweet deck at exactly 8 a.m., and that usually indicates that uh, something was scheduled because oh. most people don't hit exactly... Uh, on the hour. Right. So there was so there was a lot of clues there that this was uh, April Fool's joke. Um, but yeah, some people fell for it. And um, it was a fun little article. We have a picture on our website that kind of has the tweet from the Air Zoo embedded in the article that shows uh, this image of the ceiling with the sun. They did a really good job on the image. Yeah, I'd okay. say it's pretty good. I yeah. wonder if it came from something else. It could be. They Maybe they found a stock image of a, a roof with a hole in it or something that yeah. looks sort of like their roof. Right. But all is well at the Air Zoo. Nobody's in trouble. Nobody got ejected on a seat uh, that flew through the roof and hundreds of miles away. Um, so did they find the seat? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Did they ever really find confirm? the seat that never went through the ceiling? Did they find that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so the other one, we saw this Friday evening after we got home and we were pretty tired when we I got was home. extremely <laughs> tired. I was like delirious. I was, I was reading this and I was like, but is it real? <laughs> and I'm like trying to wrap my brain around it, but it scared me. Yeah. So, uh, this website, we mentioned this a little bit earlier in sports, but we're going to go a little deeper into it. The Detroit Na- uh, sports nation is the name of the website. I don't know if they're, I, I'm, from the looks of it, it's a legit sports website out of Detroit. It's not one that I'm very familiar with. But they put out a headline that said, Steve Iserman unexpectedly steps down as Detroit Red Wings general manager. And I'm like, what? I know. <laughs> and and then they lead it all back to his reasoning being the, the firing of the Zamboni driver. Yeah, Iserman said uh, that his decision... Uh, by Red Wing or the decision by Red Wings owner Chris Illich to terminate longtime Red Wings Zamboni driver Al Sabatka uh, meant he could just not move forward with his role in the organization anymore. <laughs> Which I thought was a bit odd. I'll be honest. I was like, 
gosh, I've never heard of a coach or or somebody because uh, he's not a coach. He's what is he? The president, general manager? Yeah, he's the one in charge of making all the decisions. Right. I've never heard of uh, somebody quitting their job over like a support type position like that. Yeah. Um. And then the what was the funniest part you were saying is that uh, he slapped. Chris Illich with an octopus? That supposedly, in this article, they're saying that Iserman says that uh, everybody knows that Chris Illich is the worst spo- sports owner in history of sports. <laughs> and so that, there was another red flag and that uh, it was stupid for him to fire the Zamboni driver for slapping him in the face with an octopus. I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? You slap your boss with an octopus. Come on. Um, so anyway, yeah, they, they had quotes embedded and everything. So <laughs> when you get to the end of the article, it says Iserman, as we know, played 22 seasons with the Red Wings before retiring from the NHL. He's been the GM of the Red Wings since April 19, 2019. More to come, but, and then there was a bunch of dots. And then in big, bold letters, it said April Fools. So Detroit Sports Nation got a good one in on Friday for uh, Red Wings fans. <laughs> I I am a big Iserman fan. I'm a big Red Wings fan. And my heart could not take that. I was too tired to make sense of things. And uh, that really got me for, for a minute. It did. It got me too. And again, very tired Friday evening. Yeah. I mean, it was just, just a Deliriously long tired common yeah. <laughs> sense escaped me at that point. Thank goodness we were at home and not going anywhere. And it was good timing for the way they did this with the firing of the Zamboni driver. But also um, there's been a lot of news about the coach is possibly going to get let go at the end of the season. It just feels like there's a lot going on behind the scenes. Again, not so much that I would think Steve Eiserman's going to unexpectedly step down, but it it fit into the mix of everything going on. But isn't it funny, though, he's saying everybody knows that Chris Illich is the worst uh, team owner in the history of sports. And it's like, God, there's some really bad teams. That's some real strong language there. Yeah, right, in your, <laughs> right in your own city, there's some teams... Um, but no, uh, Chris Illich, uh, the Red Wings are struggling right now. Um, yeah. But the Tigers, it uh, seems like they've kind of put together a nice uh, group of players. They're expected to compete for the division this year. So so he is not the worst uh, owner no. in sports history, I'm sure. I, I don't even have to know facts. I can honestly just say I just feel certain <laughs> that there are worse team owners in the history of sports. And you would be correct on that. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about first female CEO that got started in Kalamazoo, a company that eventually became Bissell. Yeah, we celebrate uh, Women's History Month. Uh, here's one you may not know. The first female CEO in the U.S. history got her start in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It was in 1865 that Anna Sutherland married Melville Biss- Bissell. She was just 19 years old at the time. Yep, the newlyweds settled in Kalamazoo and started a business, uh, but not the one that would actually lead to a giant corporation. It was actually just a small grocery store at the time, but they expanded into crockery and then glassware. And the couple thought they could do better in Grand Rapids, so they headed north. As with many success stories, things just kind of sort of happened. The items the couple sold in their store arrived packed in sawdust or straw. And when the boxes were open, they made quite a mess. <laughs> As a cliche goes, necessity is the mother of invention. And Melville designed and more importantly patented a carpet sweeping machine. A carpet sweeping machine. <laughs> of course, we know what that would later be called. Friends and customers saw it. The rest is history. Anna knew the housewife market and knew a lot of people and the Bissells incorporated as they kept selling their sweepers. 
unfortunately, tragedy struck when Melville died of pneumonia in 1889. It was when Melville passed away in 1889. There was no question who would take the reins at Bissell. Anna stepped in, making her the first female CEO in America. Anna aggressively defended the company's patents while also making sweepers across North America and Europe. It didn't take long for Bissell to get its first famous fan, Queen Victoria, who insisted her palace be bissled every week. We like to think that the palace attendants were also fans, loving the free time they had, thanks to how easy the Bissell sweeper made cleaning up the royal messes. Such a cool story. Uh, Bissell ended up serving as the CEO for 30 years and by all accounts ran the company successfully. Uh, She was known for treating employees well. And her great-great-granddaughter-in-law, Kathy Bissell, who does the company's commercials, uh, and leads its effort in helping animal shelters uh, involved. That's a very cool story. Um, it was one I think we were going to try to get to on Friday, but uh, we just had too much to do. Of course, March was Women's History Month, and uh, so we wanted to get that story in a little bit belated. But uh, you know, I never knew about that Kalamazoo connection with Bissell. I wasn't uh, aware of that either, um, but it kind of is funny. It kind of reminded me of the the episode of uh, I Love Lucy when she's trying to sell uh, the sweepers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she she goes in and makes a mess in somebody's apartment. The lady keeps trying to stop her, and then she's like, uh, we don't have electricity. <laughs> <laughs> that does kind of remind me of that uh, a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, she uh, led the way, of course. Uh, there are many more companies now uh, that do have women CEOs. It's not such an unusual thing anymore. I, I would say there's probably still some progress to be made there. But. Oh, there's most certainly progress that needs to be made, but things have definitely improved even in our lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, not just with women being in leadership positions, um, you know, CEOs or managers, you know, top brass, I guess, as you would say. Um, uh, but at the lower levels of employment too, still work to be done, but you know, it's still good to sometimes take a little bit of time to acknowledge the progress and, uh, all the way back. What was it? 1899, uh, 89, that she took over the Bissell company, uh, Anna Sutherland after the untimely death of her husband from pneumonia, 1889. Very cool story. If you want to read more about this, we have a link uh, at our website, 953wbck.com, where you can also uh, read the article by downloading the WBCK app to your mobile device. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your news. Um, but uh, playoff run is over for the Western Broncos. Yeah. And uh, with that comes some news. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the Western Michigan Broncos were not able to advance. Um, I don't remember which round they got knocked out, but... Uh, they did have one of their most historic seasons in team history, so it's kind of been a, a bittersweet situation. Um, but the Western Michigan hockey, hockey team, several members of the team that was a top seed in the NCAA tournament last week have now uh, signed contracts with NHL teams. That is right. Uh, the fourth and latest to sign this week is goaltender Brandon Busey. He zinked a one-year deal with the Boston Bruins. Yep. Uh, he was quoted saying, Western gave me an opportunity I will be forever grateful for. The last three years have been the best years of my life. The coaches, team, staff, athletic department provide all the tools we need to be successful. Uh, so congratulations to him. 
Absolutely. And uh, earlier last week, uh, Ronnie Adderd and Ty Glover and Drew Warred all signed pro contracts as well. Adderd, a junior defenseman, was signed to a two-year entry-level contract with the Philadelphia Flyers. Forward Ty Glover uh, signed a three-year deal with the Pittsburgh Penguins. And senior forward Drew Warred signed a deal with the Red Wings yeah. affiliate in Grand Rapids. Yeah, so you might be able to continue seeing him play in West Michigan uh, with the Griffins. Uh, Ward leads Western, leaves Western as a four-time NCHC academic all-conference selection and a four-time NCHC scholar-athlete. Uh, Adderd is expected to make his NHL debut. In fact, he, it, I think he already did, actually. He's the 33rd Bronco to do that and just the third this season. Uh, there were two others who uh, made debuts in the NHL. And uh, Glover uh, will, retort, will report to uh, affiliate of the Penguins in the AHL uh, starting his pro career. So uh, good news, and uh, hopefully Western and can come back next year and maybe give it another shot. Man, they sure are producing some uh, NHL players, though, aren't they? I would say that's some good signs for the team. Yeah, if you've got players that are making it into the top levels of hockey, uh, it means you've got something good going on in Kalamazoo. Uh, quickly wanted to mention, mention also that the first teaser for the Detroit Lions appearance on Hard Knocks has happened. It actually uh, was put out on Friday. I have not watched it yet. <laughs> I haven't either. You know, I'd be scared to watch it on uh, April 1st. <laughs> right. Uh, of course, uh, it was announced uh, previously in the week that the Lions would be on HBO's Hard Knock series. It kind of takes a look at uh, what life is like for teams as they go through training camp and get ready uh, for the regular season. And other teams who have participated in this have had a history of success uh, improving over their previous season so we'll see if the same happens for the detroit lions <laughs> yeah apparently it's uh it, the teaser video kind of is like a pure michigan <laughs> parody almost we'll have to give it a watch then but yeah. you can watch it right now we have it uh embedded on our website in an article called uh, april 1st brings first teaser for detroit lions on hard knocks we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather and news. 95.3 WBCK. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing pretty good, Lacey. Uh, so this is the time of the day and week that we do our Miles for Memories moment. And right. we usually have uh, a guest to yes. help guide us through it. And we had one planned for this morning. Right. But... Uh, Steve Lamb of the Michigan State Police uh, called us a few minutes ago. And of course, uh, you know... Uh, law enforcement hardly ever get a chance to sleep or take a break and uh, this happened to be one of those days where something unexpected came up yep so uh, he is not joining us but we are going to share some of the things that uh, we were going to talk about with steve lamb you know um, uh driving yeah. uh when somebody's getting older it's uh their independence and uh, a lot of things they enjoy doing and it's hard to ask for help sometimes and it is incredibly difficult to have that conversation when somebody perhaps is not uh, driving as well and you need to start having the conversation about uh, when you may need to hang up those keys. Yeah. And again, it's hard too because think about it. You know, it, it's a point of pride being able to travel and do things that you want to do. Whether It's not just pride, it's independence yeah, as well. Absolutely. So if you feel your loved one's driving is unsafe, what should you or what can you do? Perhaps the easiest thing to do in the beginning is to increase your offers to do the driving. Uh, but when you notice that your loved one's driving skills are declining and you need to
to initiate um, maybe a more in-depth conversation. Yeah, but you got to be prepared for that conversation. Uh, it will not be easy uh, because let's face it, giving up driving is another step toward, like you said, giving up independence. And who wants to give up independence? Keep the conversation relaxed and try hard to not be confrontational. Uh, just share some observations like uh, maybe you saw him or her uh, run a stop sign or maybe they pulled out in front of another vehicle in traffic or they were going too fast or too slow. Yeah, and if you're riding with your loved one, you can point out those errors, but try to do it very gently. Share your concerns for not only their safety, but the safeties of other others around them. If all else fails, you may have to seek professional help. Ask their doctor to suggest that they give up driving, and if possible, refer them to an occupational therapist to test their vision, thinking, and uh, perception, as well as motor skills. And yep, if the therapist suggests that they give up driving, ask them to write a letter uh, to that effect. And then you can show the doctor's letter to the Secretary of State office. And uh, then they can initiate a retest uh, for your loved one's driving abilities. Even without a letter from a doctor, you can ask the DMV to retest your loved one, explaining that the diagnosis of dementia and your concern for their safety on the road, the decision to cancel their license will not go down easy, but at least the blame will not be placed on you. Yeah, because you're bringing in other people uh, who, you know, because the, the person might think, oh, well, they just think I'm not supposed to drive, but no one else has told me that. But if there's a professional uh, involved and can say, hey, you know, we, we kind of agree based on what we've learned. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, even if the DMV cancels the license and the insurance company cancels the insurance, it's possible your loved one may forget these new restrictions. So keeping the car keys is also, uh, you know, a good idea. Keep them out of sight. Uh, it'll be out of mind. And it is also possible to put a locking bar on the steering wheel of all household vehicles to be sure to keep that locking bar and key in a different place than the car keys. Yep, and uh, to help make the loss of driving privileges more manageable, maybe enlist the help of some of your other family members if you're able to. Uh, things, again, could go a little bit more smoothly if your loved one has plenty of options for getting where they want to go. Yeah, and if you'd like more information on this, uh, go to milesformemories.org. And you can get some more information on that. Now, you and I have actually had to do, had conversations like this with a relative of yours. Yep. And um, this one was not directly related to um, the stuff we talk about on Miles for Memories. Um, he had a um, different condition going on. Yeah, his brain uh, sharp sharp as ever. Yeah. That was not the issue. But uh, his driving skills, his reaction time, um, perhaps were more of the issue because he would drive uh, quite slowly. Yeah, but you know what the problem is? We didn't win that battle. <laughs> well, we did. Um, I got somewhere that uh, this was your great uncle, and I was able to get somewhere that uh, nobody else in the family had been able to with that And uh, by offering, hey, let's go do this together. Yeah, one time um, we went out for ice cream and to the beach and enjoyed a nice summer day. Yeah, uh, making that offer of uh, doing something together and making something fun out of it and something special out of it uh, seemed to mean a lot to him. And um, we were able to discourage him from driving um, quite well by yeah. doing so. Yeah, I didn't mean to imply that we made no progress. Ultimately, um, he never did give up his license or his car keys. Um, 
No, he never drove again, and sadly, um, until, uh, you know, not too long before he passed away, he had had this sudden burst of uh, alertness and uh, activity that he had not had in a long time. Yeah. Um, but uh, up until that point, for a couple of years, um, when he shouldn't have been driving, we were able to keep him from doing so. Right. Uh, and again, this is our Miles for Memories moment. Uh, Michigan State Police Steve Lamb was going to join us and he had something come up. But uh, we wanted to share these safe driving topics with you. And uh, next Monday, uh, we will have another guest on again. And we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with a look at your weather. Yeah, ditch your <laughs> hazardous waste. Uh, spring has sprung and it marks the time when many Michiganders begin digging through the dark wastelands of their homes, <laughs> determining what items are good for another year and what needs to be tossed aside. Yep. During this search, you're, of course, probably going to come across stuff that can uh, that just can't be tossed into the dumpster, you know, like your old television set. Maybe you've got one of those square boxes that's sitting around, doesn't work anymore. Um, batteries, air conditioners, car batteries, refrigerators. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget the worn out aerosol cans with the <laughs> remainder of the content still sloshing around. <laughs> the list goes on and on. Fortunately, there are events on the horizon. Uh, Calhoun County has scheduled a couple of free recycling events that will take place this month. Uh, they usually do this a um, couple times a year, I think. Uh, the first one will be on the 14th. That's a Thursday. That one is focused on electronics and scrap metal. Yeah, and that'll be happening at noon to 5.30. The line will be cut off at Wagner Drive Park uh, right at the boundary there at 5.30 p.m. All items containing refrigerant, though, must be unloaded by 5.15. Some of the items accepted are going to be like electronics such as camcords, cameras, old cell phones, DVD players, fax hard drives, uh, kitchen electronic devices, and in addition to uh, scrap metal, such as your old appliances like ovens, dishwashers, old freezers, refrigerators, old air conditioners, uh, and uh, scrap other scrap metal items. Yep, and the next event will be the following Monday on April 18th. That one is from 2.30 until 5.30. Uh, this is an event where they're looking more for items like oil-based paints, uh, fuel that is in cans, solvents, acids, uh, pesticides, uh, things like that. Again, stuff old you don't... household cleaners, mercury, you yeah, know, like those old thermometers. Yeah, God, I wouldn't even think of that. But yeah, it's basically stuff you don't want people just dumping uh, onto the ground. Uh, it's not the kind of stuff that we need to be soaking so into the you, earth. One thing you wouldn't have thought of: uh, self defense sprays. You can't just toss that in the garbage. Oh, like pepper spray or things mace, like things like that. Yeah, they do have uh, generally have a best by date on them, um, which is more about their potency than it is whether it's something that can be used or not. So, hmm. um, yeah, there, a lot of things I wouldn't have thought of. Uh, all kinds of like lighters even yeah Yeah. there's a little bit left over don't just throw those in the garbage there are a few things they will not accept though Um, yeah such as latex paint school chemicals uh biologically active materials uh home use insulation spray cylinders yeah even ammunitions weapons and explosives yeah please don't bring explosives to the event where everyone's going to (laughs) be Yeah, not a good idea. Uh, you got an old grenade. Uh, let's just uh, keep it where it is and not move it around a whole much and then call the proper authorities. Yep. Um, and these also don't include trash, tires, yard waste, construction, demolition waste, uh, appliances, 
uh, like that were mentioned in the previous event, um, and any items not defined as household hazardous waste. Uh, you can read the whole list of the items in an article that's posted on our website. Yeah, and both events are going to be held at Bailey Park, which is 1350 Capitol Avenue Northeast. Uh, the ent- entrance to these events will be from Wagner Drive only, and the events are for residential material only and are only open to all Calhoun County residents.